Welcome to Smith Memorial Online. We're glad you joined us today. We're located in Collinsville, Virginia. At Smith Memorial, our motto is simple, follow Jesus. We'd like to encourage you to check us out online, www.smithmemorialumc.com. There you can find out more information about us, opportunities to serve, and ways to support this ministry through giving. We pray that God would add blessing this day to the hearing and the doing of God's Word. to the end of our summer sermon series on the parables. Today we will end with an interesting word from the one who invites us all. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatted calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away. One to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, the wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Now therefore go into the main streets, and invite anyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed that there was a man who was there not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Friends, would you pray with and for me? Grace, O God. Grace, love, charity, 
these are the fullest expression of who you are. But in the midst of your grace, we are reminded, we are reminded that you will not execute your grace apart from our free will. You give us grace upon grace. And yet, you have still only but called. May we be a people who heed the parables this morning. May we show up. Not out of fear for what would happen if we don't. but out of love as those who are called in the last hour, both good and bad, that we are invited to the supper of the Lamb. And with such a great invitation, may we be wise to say yes. Place the cross before me. Let none see me but you and your grace alone. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The clocks. The clocks were set on May 18th, 2018 to wake at an ungodly hour the next morning. People who refused to call themselves morning people slipped out of beds while the moon was still firmly in the air and made their way to the living room to cut on their television. That morning, my social media wall was filled with people with selfies wearing big hats, boisterous wedding hats. It was hard to tell if I was still living in the United States or America or if I had transported back in time, a time when the colonists actually liked being called British. Millions of people, wide awake, glued to their television for hours on end to see the Duke of Sussex marry his duchess, Miss Meghan Markle. The commentators were on every single major news network shooting live coverage of the event. The pomp and circumstance of the occasion was being described the way that NBC would describe Macy's during their Thanksgiving Day parade. Windsor Castle filled with all the big to-dos from the Queen of England to the Spice Girls. All the important people inside this cathedral. All of them. The commoners. The commoners, well, well, they lined the streets. They lined the streets outside, hoping and praying for a chance. Just a glimpse of this new royal family. I can just see in their faces what they would have given to just have a chance to go in. What they would have given for the opportunity to just get inside the doors.
All they needed was what? An invitation. They just needed an invitation. They were outsiders looking and hoping to get in one day. They just needed an invitation. I want you to to contrast that that picture with those millions of people around the globe wearing their big, boisterous wedding hats, staring aimlessly at their TV all day long for this royal wedding to just see what would happen. Wishing that they themselves perhaps could have been there. I want you to take that image and I want you to think about another person. Another person who did receive an invitation. Received an invitation, but never came. The tabloids wrote all about him. It was the bride's father, Thomas. Thomas had made it seem like he was getting ready to get there for that special day. Sharing staged photos taken by Meghan Markle's half-sister. Photos that made the father quite a few bucks. One event led to another, which led to another, which led to the father describing himself in an interview as simply a footnote to the wedding service he did not attend. He says that he was jealous. He was jealous as he watched Prince Charles walk his daughter down the aisle. Of course, after such a such a strange set of circumstances, we would automatically always assume that if there is a prince and princess involved, that there would be a happy ending. That somehow this terrible set of events would lead in some grand way to a father and a daughter reuniting. The the daughter says that she showed mercy to her father. She tried to reach out over and over and over again. She was always so kind in her interviews. The father, the father just showed himself on TV over and over and over again, revealing insider stories to the press for a buck. You see, the father not only missed the wedding, but as time went on, unfortunately, he now misses his daughter as the two of them supposedly no longer speak. You see, Jesus, Jesus is right there on the cusp. He's already entered triumphantly into Jerusalem. His eyes are set on the cross, and there he is in this in-between time, between Sunday and Friday. He is having this series of conversations with the religious elites. Not the Jews, the religious elites, the established ones, the ones who think they have it all together. The ones that have been challenging his authority to do such things. Jesus, in a heated discussion between these religious leaders of his day, tells them a parable. He says the kingdom of heaven could be compared 
to a wedding banquet, this time a king for his son. Oh, how the father loves his son. And I can imagine the banquet that he had in store for this grand wedding. Parents, if you've ever been there before, may understand the desire to make sure that that special day, that day that they have been waiting for, turns out to be everything your child had ever dreamed. Sitting down with the chefs making the menu, only the best cuts of steak. I could imagine the king saying, the fattened oxen, the finest of wines, only none of that Boone's Farm stuff. We want fine things here. And I can just imagine, because if it was my wedding, it's something that I would have wanted and I wish I did. A decadent chocolate fountain with the best kinds of things to dip in it. It would have been amazing. But the only thing the king needed, the only thing the king needed to make sure that his son had the greatest wedding banquet was what? He needed some guests. He needed a full crowd to celebrate with. So this king, he takes it upon himself to send his own servants to hand deliver these save the date wedding announcements. And he sends them to all the worthy people, the guests who would haphazardly slap these stickers on their big to-do refrigerators. Only the most worthy of guests will be invited to this grand party. But the strangest thing happens. When the servants returned to the king, they bared nothing but seemingly bad news. Not a single one accepted the invitation. Some, I imagine, just tossed the little invitation into the trash while others gave it back to the servant as a first century return to sender. But friends, we serve a king who doesn't give up that easily. Of course the king isn't going to give up. He sends more servants. Go back to those same people again. Encourage them. Let them know that I really, really want them to come. All the food, it's free if that's what they're worried about. T tell them it's an open bar. Everyone is open. Everyone can partake. I know some of those big to-dos are stingy people, so tell them this, they don't even have to leave a tip for the server. This wedding banquet is all-inclusive. It costs you nothing. I will be the one who will foot the bill. Just come. And if they still say no, don't forget to remind them about the chocolate fountain if it could save golden corral it can save my party <laughs> but 
But to the king's surprise, the same thing happened again. Only this time, it was worse. Some of the people simply cast the event off. Some said, we have more important things to do. I have to go to work. We have family events planned. We have Sunday soccer. We had a late night last night and are going to hit the sack early today. Thanks for the invitation. But unfortunately for us, today it's a no. Others were much more hostile to the event, beating, mistreating, or even killing the king's messengers in an act of defiance. The king was bewildered. I don't understand why you wouldn't want to come. It was all free. It's always been free. It was the best that you would have ever had. All you had to do was accept my invitation. But you didn't. You think you can just do this all on your own? Fine. And in King Leonidas' fashion, Even at the pain of himself, he extends the proverbial Spartan leg over the murderers as they fall waste to the judgment of their own actions. All of this could have been prevented, he thinks. All of it could have been prevented, and it could have been prevented easily. All they had to do was accept the invitation that was already theirs to have. But friends, we serve a king who refuses to give up hope. He just keeps sending messengers over and over and over again. But this king will not, will not, will not coerce or demand you to come. He wants you to accept the invitation just as freely as He gave it. So this time, when the king sends out his messengers, this time, it's all-inclusive. The king puts no stipulations on the invitation. Literally, he tells his servants, just bring anyone. I love what Matthew says. It says that they went out and they they went and got everyone from the streets. And he puts this little clause in there that's so important for us who are so bent on making good moral justification on why people are invited. He says this, go out and invite anyone, and they did, and they brought them the good and the bad. All of them received this invitation to come. Every single corner of the king's land is sent a servant declaring this free invitation for anyone who would choose to come. 
all of those who had just planned on lining the streets to catch a glimpse of the royal couple, all of those who felt like they didn't measure up enough to receive an invitation on their doors. Imagine that. Imagine, imagine if you will, you're sitting there, you're watching, you're waiting for this royal couple to be married, and you have a knock on your door, the strangest of all the doors, the most unworthy of all the doors. It comes knocking on your door. And when you open it, there it is, a free invitation. And you say, this is, this is certainly wrong. But you look down and, and, and there's... There's your name. Every last person invited. The king tells his chefs, put a sterno under the meat. Let's keep things nice and hot. And let's wait. Let's wait for our guests to arrive this free supper of the Lamb. And as the guests arrive at the door, smelly from a long day's work, too rushed to clean up, I can only imagine the king at this point opening the wardrobe of his son like Paul so eloquently describes as those who have been baptized being clothed with Christ. And I can just imagine this king, as soon as they are entering into his kingdom, he's handing them out anything and everything that seems like it might fit. It didn't matter who they were, all of them clothed in the sun. All of them coming from their rugged past. Entering the courtyard dressed for a party. Literally wearing the king's garments. Those two, by the way, were free. The king was ecstatic to see that every inch of his kingdom was filled, filled by people who responded yes to the free invitation. Nobody there, not a single person there wasn't clothed by the sun except for one. One person stood out like a sore thumb. One person wasn't clothed like everyone else. And the king goes to him, and he says to him, friend, friend, how'd you get in here with those clothes on? Did you miss the wardrobe? And Matthew gives us the the most intense little verse you've ever seen when someone responds to the question, just how did you get in? We all know it's by grace through faith, but this person, this person was speechless, refusing to enter into relationship with the king. He said nothing. 
Perhaps he just felt like his clothes were enough, his works were enough, his righteousness was enough. They were all good enough for this party. All he had to do was just to say anything. Anything would have sufficed, I believe. Anything to the king. I I thought that this was okay, and the king could have simply said, it is, but hey, I got something a little bit better for you, and by the way, it's free, and it's nice. But he said nothing. No interaction. No desire to even try to justify himself. The Father had always wanted people to come. The invitation spoke for itself. Good, bad, ugly, it didn't matter. All that mattered was that you came. And that when you came, when you come into the kingdom, all that matters is that when you show up, you be willing to exchange your garments, your old garments, out for something new. The king will give it to you freely. You just have to be willing to let go of what was old. But he refused. He refused to let go. He refused to do the one thing necessary. He refused to die to himself and to be born in Christ. Nothing came off his lips, and yet his silence was loud and clear. He was unwilling to be transformed in order to stay at the party. And in his refusal to let that little last part of himself go, it eventually became the downfall to his stay. Out he went just like all of those who earlier rejected the invitation to come. My son constantly teaches me about the faith. Yesterday on the ride home, we were sitting there in the car listening to a song, and Alexander came to me and he said, Daddy, what does the word restore mean? And I said, imagine, Alexander, that you have your favorite toy. What is that favorite toy of yours? And he told me. And I said, imagine that toy was broken. Imagine it wasn't what it once was. Imagine it's not the new form that you once had it. You don't have the same excitement because it's not there anymore. And imagine me. Imagine me staying up all night, putting it back together, fixing it just right, and giving it back to you restored made right made whole but then a little while later as I was putting him down he he went to the nightstand next to my bed and he found a little cross and I can only imagine that this is what Jesus was thinking about because he journeys in that last little section on his way to the cross for all of these people who would refuse the invitation. And, G- uh, and, and Alexander, he picked up the little cross that's on my nightstand and he said, Dad, do you know what the name of this is? And I said, a cross? And he said, no, this is called mercy. And he took it 
And I like to think that it was a lot nicer than what he did. He kind of just started hitting me in the head with it. And he just kept shouting, mercy, 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 mercy. Friends, that's the nature of these parables. God is a God of mercy. God is a God of grace. The kingdom of heaven is open and flung open to all people. The good, the bad, the ugly. The invitation, it is yours. It is 150% free. But don't forget about these parables of judgment. They're not God judging you for your acts. It's God judging you for one thing. And one thing only, have you faith through my grace? Do you believe that everything that I have done for you, that I was able to do the things for you that you could not do for yourself? Do you have your faith? Do you have your trust? Do you have your hope in me that it is all accomplished? You are forgiven, but you'll only be forgiven if this, you accept. Mercy, restored grace, amen.